Okay, hey, welcome to this week's episode of War. This is not Warriors Whiteboard Wednesday. This is Kudan. What the hell am I talking about? Anyway, that's just a sign that I've got a lot of stuff going, right? Anyway, welcome to Kudan. Uh, so uh, uh, we we've picked up more uh, more subscribers on some of the audio only places. So if you're you know long time listener, uh, what do they say? Long time listener, first time caller. Um, <laughs> Is that what it is? Anyway, all right. So um, uh, I also um, figure that some people were thrown off by the uh, by the rather crass or less than um, uh, nice uh, title for this week's episode. Uh, I don't usually use words like that, but as my Mikio teacher has uh, reminded me several times along in my early career, my job isn't to make people happy. My job is to wake people up. So hopefully it did that, right? And if it offended people, even better, because that's usually when we really wake up because we're looking for all the reasons to be pissed off. And so, you know, right? Uh, but anyway, right? So I'm going to kick this one off with a quick quote from uh, my teacher, uh, Grandmaster Hatsumi, uh, from many years ago, right? He said, we live in a sad time when you can't teach somebody a lesson, who seriously deserves one. All right, we'll talk about that and more when we get started. The big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Really? Oh, I guess so. I'll stick with that story. Anyway, hey, welcome back. So uh, we're officially underway with episode 183. We're going to have to plan something cool for episode 200. Yeah? So, hey, guess what I found yesterday? Right? Uh, yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. I was cleaning out my car. And um, uh, I found in this storage container that I had, because I keep moving stuff back and forth between home office and whatever, but I still had things in my car um, from the rebuild and, and getting everything back in the house post-fire recovery and all that stuff. And I found an envelope um, from something that I had done with uh, Eric White when he was my co-host way back in the day, right, Radio God. So... Um, Eric had designed and uh, had made uh, some really cool magnets. Now, they're really thin, right? But they were Kuden um, branded kind of things, right? So some are square, like uh, a really small teflon kind of thing, right? Like a, just a piece of metal that you'd lay around with a ninja would, would use as a weapon. And uh, other ones were uh, uh, shuriken-shaped. Right. And so they were kudan. So what I thought was, um, let's see, episode we're at 183. So let's do this for 185. Um, we'll do a contest during that one and we'll, we'll do this along the way. I've got a handful of each of these. So um, let's see who's paying attention and who's like engaging and all that kind of stuff. And um, uh, for those folks who are on live, so this will give people on the uh, audio only side, a chance to kind of like jump on. So uh, whether you do it 
uh, via the Facebook page or, or the, either the Facebook pages, right? Mine or the Kuden podcast page, or you do it on the, um, Jeffrey Miller, what is it? Jeffrey Miller 36, um, I think, uh, YouTube channel. See, I don't even know my own shit. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so if you're on live during an episode, then, um, we'll do uh, a cool little, little thing. Um, see if I can find that, um, that, uh, I don't know, it's a cheesy, uh, digital spinner kind of thing where we could enter in people's names and stuff and then do a digital spin and whoever pops up, bing, right, wins one of these things. Yeah, so I thought that'd be cool to do. But um, to also spring, uh, kind of launch into that kind of thing, uh, you and I talked about this earlier that um, I want to make this a little bit more interactive, right, and not just open it up to questions. Um, I'm going to ask some damn questions, right? So we'll see where that goes, right? So um, anyway, here we are, right, episode 183. And so uh, what I wanted to talk about was this, this dichotomy, right, um, between doubt, right, different kinds of doubt that can pop up in training, right? Um, but once we get self-doubt out of the way, what I'm talking about really is, is uh, doubt in uh, a technique, right, or a doubt in whether or not that technique is applicable, in the 21st century for self-defense or whatever, right? And, and it's not a fine line. It's a freaking chasm, right? The difference between that and uh, this level of disrespect that, for lack of a better word, right, all I could think of was douchey, right? And I don't even use that word, right? What I mean is it's such, it's so self-involved and low class that it's like the person doesn't even give any thought to what they're doing or they have such a need for what they're doing and the way they do it that they're willing to attack verbally, physically, whatever, anyone who uh, or anything that contradicts that, right? So, uh, but both of these things, right, uh, doubt and disrespect are huge things, right, within the martial arts world. Um, they're huge things within within the self-defense realm, right? Uh, one of the first lessons I give new students is that respect is our first line of self-defense, right? But we have so many people um, anymore uh, where... You know, their their primary thought is, I'm not going to give any respect to anybody who's not giving it to me first. Right? We've talked about this in the past, right? Um, and I have a major problem with that because, uh, in all honesty, most people don't know any better. They weren't taught any better, right? Um, whatever, right? Or they're pulling the same game, right? But my thing is. It's just like we've had that discussion at the at the dojo as well, James. You and I just had a discussion not too long ago where um, I've got this coffee maker and, you know, some folks can use it and whatever, right? I let staff use it and things like that. But I'm constantly going behind, like I'll go to make, um, you know, coffee or tea or whatever, and there's stains, right, on the, on the counter or right around it. And, you know, I 
dampen a paper towel and clean it up or whatever. Um, now I always wipe things down after I'm done, right? Whenever I make things for myself, I always wipe it down because um, it's just a matter of cleaning up after myself. But there are these stains, right? And I've caught myself in the past getting irritated because, you know, well, people can't clean up after themselves. But I also had to stop and remember this same thing, right? That depending on what someone's, what I call zero state is, right? But depending on what their baseline is, they may not even be able to see that, right? Unless, unless there's a truck driving through their living room, right? And uh, creates a disaster uh, that, that, is out of the ordinary. It's out of the normal. They can't see it. It's literally invisible. Okay. To them. Right. So it's the same thing with the respect thing. Right. So one of the lessons I got from my teachers is that we show respect, not as a sign of, not because of the other person's character, but as a sign of ours. Right. And, one of my teachers was very fond of reminding us that if we don't ever give anybody a reason to want to knock our teeth down our throat, either because of the words we use or the body language or the gestures or the eye rolling or whatever, right? Then we're only ever going to have to use our skills against or on or to somebody because they're going to attack us no matter what, right? And as a matter of fact, some people will attack you because you're respectful and whatever, because for whatever reason, it screams to them that you're a victim. But won't they be surprised, okay? So uh, anyway, so I want to talk about these two things, right? Because we need, we need, to, we need to recognize that one of these things, one of these things, anyway, um, so I don't, I don't sing. Anyways, <laughs> as you can tell, I don't sing well. Um, one of these things is an important and necessary piece of the training process. The other one contradicts the training process, right? So, but before... I jump into my little spiel, right? Um, what say you, right? Those of you who are on now, right? James, you can check in. So here's the first question for for this episode, right? Uh, and those of you who are, who are uh, audio only or, uh, you know, you're catching this later on or whatever, you can always post things in the comments or uh, shoot us an email, right? Shoot uh, something over at uh, warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com, right? Just let me know. This was the episode you're referring to because we've got a butt ton of things between this and the almost 100 episodes of Whiteboard Wednesday and how many other things I have out. Um, I might not know what you're talking about unless you ref- make a reference, right? But anyway, um, do you think, and if so, or if not, right, to what degree, right, doubt has its place or even belongs, right, in training, right? Um, should you doubt your teacher or should you take everything um, that they say to be, you know, this, 
teacher said it, so therefore, um, or not, or to what degree, or what do you think we're allowed to doubt and what are we never allowed to doubt? Okay. So what do you think? Okay. What do you think? Okay. And while you're typing in your answers so James can read it, right? Um, I'm not talking about self-doubt. Okay. Because, um, that's, that's going to be dependent upon personality type. Okay. Um, I think some of the, some of the, some of the best, uh, people, right, that should be doing martial arts, um, have confidence issues, have self doubt, those kind of things, because this can really help, right? Um, but I also know that they're the least likely to reach out because there's this perception, right? Martial artists, these badass MFers and whatever. And so, you know, if I screw up in class, I'm going to get my ass handed to me or whatever. And while there's douchey instructors that do that kind of stuff, um, I, I think I've said, James, do I, do I, did I do this in the last um, instructor training program? I, I try to do it in every single instructor training program that we do, where I talk about the, the need for staff to do outreach and stuff, right? To, uh, you know, even, even if somebody said, you know, now's not a good time for me to train, to make sure that we're, you know, putting that person in a follow-up system and whatnot and reaching out to them later, because uh, now might not be a good time, but three three months from now might be a good time, right? That the people who need this the most are often the least likely to initiate the contact, right? Which is one of the reasons why I put this stuff out um, for free a lot, right? And a lot of it. Um, and I appreciate the, those of you who are, uh, I've had people contact me and, and you know, uh, let me know that, you know, I have a question. It's okay if you don't answer because, Jesus Christ, with all the free stuff you give out, I'm really concerned for you that you're giving away the store. Well, I'm not. Okay. Um, what I want people to be left with is if this is what you're giving away for free, holy shit, what are you giving to your students? Um, <laughs> enforced accountability. That's what they're getting from me. Right. <laughs> so, um, Sometimes the lessons are the same. Sometimes they're different, but it's the depth that we go into a lot of these things, but it's the accountability, right? And sometimes it's a lot of rope, right? Once you become my student, um, often I just stop asking you whether you're doing things or not, because I think the best way to get somebody to hang themselves is to give them plenty of rope, right? And then the world will tug on the things. James and I'll be talking about this here um, in a bit because we both have backstories and maybe some of you have too and we'd love to hear these right where um you might have learned something to learn it you might have had doubt in it or doubt about when you would use it or whatever and then the world either punches you in the face or takes your feet out from under you or whatever right and the next thing you know you're like okay i'm a believer right um it's a good thing i practice that right so but anyway um i think i i did enough there to give people a chance to start popping things in. What do we have, James? Anybody pipe up? Anybody have any open onions? Also known as opinions? No? Um, nothing in reference to your question. Well, wait. 
Dave Fletch just put in there, trust but verify. You need to trust the teacher to learn from them. Research of the teacher and the system before and during training for frame of reference. Hmm. Yeah, Thursday, this past Thursday's class for the uh, first seven steps on the path of a Buddha course that we're doing. Uh, I made a statement and I'll do the same thing here. Right. And statistics bear this out, at least on the martial arts side. But it, <clears throat> on the uh, spiritual side or the personal development side, uh, all the way into religion. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm okay with people showing me that I'm wrong, but based on my observation, based on my uh, experience, when it comes to personal development things, the spiritual realm, religion, whatever, right? I find it beyond interesting. I find it astonishing. That's a big word. Astonishing, right? Um, not just a number of letters, but it's a big word. Anyway, so <laughs> I find it amazing. There's another word. Um, that people more often than not spend more time trying on an article of clothing, pair of shoes, pants, shirt, sweater, suit, whatever. They spend more time trying on a, an article of clothing to make sure that it fits and suits the purpose that they're getting it for, right, and will serve them <clears throat> than they spend choosing a religion or a spiritual study or a personal development program or whatever, right? And I would venture to say the same is true for martial arts. And I have statistics to back that one up. Because one of the statistics is that most people won't travel more than uh, 12 minutes from either their home or their workplace to uh, attend a martial arts pro uh, class or program. Now, it's much broader. It's more like 20 uh, some, yeah, it's about 20, um, where I live because I live in a semi-rural area. But statistics show that the average person won't travel more than 12, 12 and a half minutes to sign up for a martial arts program, which means that they're choosing things based on convenience, not based on quality. Right? It is the rare person who will travel outside of that, and it is the uber rare person who will travel for hours or dozens of miles or whatever to do that. Okay. And uh, we even proved that to be true during COVID, right? Cause we took all of our classes. Well, it was easy, right? We already had an online presence already had the tech set up, all the stuff that people were scrambling to do in their schools. Uh, we literally just flipped the switch. And took all of our classes, including our youth classes, virtual during COVID. Okay. Um, and we lost 75% of our active student base. Which goes to show that even if you make it like just sickeningly easy 
People didn't even have to leave their damn house to attend class. And they couldn't do that. Or wouldn't do that because it wasn't a couldn't. They wouldn't do that. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So I think it's no wonder that people end up doubting whether or not what they're learning will work. Okay. Because they're choosing things based on convenience. Not everybody, right? But they're basing things on convenience. Or they're basing things on what it looks like, what the teacher looks like, what, you know, okay, how cool it looks, how fast can I get rank. Okay? A very common question that I get is, so once I sign up, on average, you know, how long will it take to get to Black Belt? I can give you a website address right now. You can go buy one. Okay? There's organizations that have been running ads for decades in the back of Black Belt magazine. And now, of course, on their digital version, right? You sign up for that organization, tell them what rank you want in what style. See, no time at all. Okay. Well, I really want to deserve it. Okay. Well, then it's going to take you as long as it takes you to get that because I can't speak to your attitude, aptitude, right? Perseverance, anything like that. And are we talking about quantity? Are we talking about quality? Because there's a lot of people that don't understand the, the paradigm, the learning paradigm. And what I mean by that is they don't understand that in the beginning, the learning of anything, right? Um, well, this is if they stick to it, right? Because uh, we, we've spoken on the hierarchy, and this, this, I'm on this kick of r- reminding people of the hierarchy of competency because that just gets in people's way too, right? But if we just stay, talk about the thing that they're they're staying with, right? In the beginning, all lessons are huge. All lessons are a revelation. Ooh, wow, that's cool. Never saw that before. Great. Okay. And then what happens? Well, as they, the more they see it, the more they do it, the lessons get smaller and smaller. But in the beginning with those ginormous lessons, they don't have anything else to compare it to. So the lesson, the, the technique, the kata, whatever, is the lesson. It's the clouds open, sun rays shine through, right? The angelic orchestra plays, oh, whatever, right? <laughs> okay. But the more they see things, the more they can compare things, right? Well, I've seen that before. I've done that before. Seen it, done it. Well, it's just a variation of that one. Great. But the lessons are getting smaller so much that it might just be a timing thing. It might just be a slight angling change. It might just be a, not not just a variation, but this shortens the time that it takes for you to go from defense to offense and expands the window, the gap that causes him to not be able to move. Okay. Cause in the beginning, right. You're the focus of all the lessons, right? Where do I step? Where does my hand go? How does this technique go? Step one, step two, step three. What am I doing with my body? Whatever. And I know often you have a training partner with you, but as long as you're still trying to figure out where to put your foot, the primary focus is on you, right? 
second stage of training, the focus is on them. Because now you know how to go to Ichimonji or Nekodach or whatever. You know how to do this block or that block or do this technique or that technique. But can you do it based on their timing? Can you do it based on their intent? Can you do it based on their tension or relaxation level? That kind of thing. Can you do it in, uh, you know, against them doing things in a given environment? Right? So now it's based on them because you know how to do the moves, but can you match and marry your moves to them, letting them lead so that you'll exploit their mistakes? Or are you just trying to do your stuff faster and trickier or whatever, right? And then the final stage, you're, it, it's a back and forth give and take and you're, you're not just fitting in, but um, in, in our scrolls, it's called uh, Ritsudo, right? Which is often translated as breath or that kind of thing. But it's, it's the rhythm. It's the breath of the fight, right? Can you ride that as opposed to just trading shots? Do you know when you're, um, you know, you should be yielding and receiving uh, and when you should be pressing, right? And not, left brain intellectually, right? So anyway, there are these phases, right? But those tiny little micro lessons can be applied across how many different techniques. So I learned it in this one, and I made this technique better, but every technique that employs this little piece just got better at the exact same time, right? And this is why, again, we're talking about the hierarchy of uh, of competency, um, once we start to get that stuff, right, the conscious competency, that's where, like, the whole process just goes at fucking warp speed, right? Because you get it. Not only do you understand what it's supposed to look like, but you can do it, right? Your teacher does this cool little move, and you go, holy shit. Well, let me try that, right? Because now you've got the coordination, you've got the flexibility, you've got timing down, things like that. So it's not just one timing. You're able to adjust the timing. You're able to, you know, whatever. It's kind of like when you enter a role, knowing that as you enter the role, you're entering at a certain time. But if you change the tightness of the ball or shift a limb, right, you speed up or slow down the role. If you hold or push your breath out, right, you hold the breath at a certain point or you slow it down or you uh, you push it out. Right. You either increase tension or you decrease tension and you actually change the speed of the roll midway. Right. Which will throw his timing off because he's basing his timing. His brain subconsciously has determined timing by the way he saw you move into it, right? So he's going to make a decision about when you're coming out, right? But you can, right? But it wasn't just in that role thing. Holy shit, if I do that, if I start to shift into a kamai, right, and then I change the time midway, right, it changes, like it throws him off. Because I won't be where he expected me to be. Do you understand? Okay. But when I explain these things online, 
um, I don't just get, hmm, I have to look into that. Or I don't understand how that would work or whatever, right? Just natural doubt. I've never seen that before, right? Um, what I get is that's just a bunch of BS, right? Why, why, why are you wasting all, all these people's time on this? Um, when, right, you put on gloves and, and, you know, just go train. And that's, that's the nice side of things, right? That's just a bunch of BS, right? I'll come over there and kick your ass myself. That's a whole different level of stuff, right? But anyway, right? So, um, but in that, in that, uh, and I know some of you guys have been on just about every episode, so I'm going to revisit the, the, uh, hierarchy of competence as, as a matter of fact in james you were in class tonight we had uh, two new students one adult one youth a lot of stuff goes over the youth's head i just reassure them that look you know it's it's okay right it's okay to not get it so quickly or whatever it'll come right because in the higher in, in the first level right the reason it's a, it's a triangle right the reason that this hierarchy is laid out as a triangle and not a column is because each of the tiers takes longer to get through or it takes a certain amount of time to get through, right? And it points to a time factor. Like the first one, right, the uh, unconscious incompetency, we don't know how much we don't know, right? We don't know how uncoordinated we are until we're required to do a movement that we've never done before or we've never done it like that before. And, well, if we'd never done a movement like that before, see, an enlightened person would go, well, of course you're not going to be able to do that well because your muscles have grown to the degree, to the strength, your joint flexibility is to a degree and to the strength based on your most common everyday movements. Your body has grown based on doing certain things a certain way all the time. And now you're going to try to do something different. Your muscles aren't, they're not wired for that yet. Your brain doesn't have a neural pathway for that particular movement in that particular way, right? Of course you're not going to get it, right? But this, when people go through this, this creates one of two things. It creates either self-doubt. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, right? Or flat out, I can't do it, right? Which makes them quit. Or it's not close enough to the way they're already decent at moving. So this is bullshit. This doesn't work, right? And so what do they do? They quit that and they go looking for something that they're already comfortable with. So they don't ever add any new options. They just add variations of what they can already do, right? So anyway, all right, James. Anybody that give anybody else time to toss things in there? No, nobody else put anything else in. Everybody just waiting for Sensei to give them the answers. Awesome. So um, something else that pops up in the in the Mikio side of training on a regular basis is that. Um, uh, Ego likes to just get the answers, 
Okay. Um, so it can sound like it knows. Right. Enlightenment is not based on answers. Answers surround us everywhere. They're everywhere all the time. Okay. They only make sense in light of a question. And the quality of the answer is determined by the quality of the question. So simple question, simple answer. Right? More involved, in-depth, clear question that speaks to specifics produces more clear, specific answers in context with what's being sought. Okay? Just like if I were doing a demonstration and I opened, and I've done this in the past, uh, I opened questions to the crowd, right? So, uh, what, you know, what do you, what do you want to see us show a defense against, right? Uh, you know, uh, what do you do if he tries to punch you in the face? Then I get to start irritating people. Okay. Uh, how is he punching me in the face? What do you mean? He's just punching you in the face. Yeah, I know, but is it a straight punch? Is it a backhand? Is it an uppercut to the jaw? Is it a right cross? Right? Um, and we'll just keep it simple like that, right? Because if I went into at what level is my body, right? Am I sitting in a chair? Am I starting to stand up? Has he already, like, thrown something at me and I backed off and my head's at a lower level? So the angles are right? So what kind of punch? Okay. Oh, a hook punch. Okay. Great. Why? Why is he throwing the punch? Did I say something that pissed him off? Is this guy, uh, you know, whatever. Okay. At what angle, right? Is it a big old flailing thing? Is it a, is it a tight, uh, in kind of thing? Right. Um, okay. If we narrow this down and make it specific, then we're going to get a specific defense. Otherwise, what do I do? I could throw out anything. But what if the thing that he throws at you doesn't look anything like the technique that I just demonstrated? Was it a whiteboard Wednesday, James, where I think it was one of the earliest ones where I covered uh, 81 different ways to throw the same fist? I yes. do that. Yeah. OK, because we have four variables, right? We have height. Is it high, middle or low? Right. We have angle. Is it hooking? Is it clubbing or is it straight? Right. We have range. Are we close, mid or long range? And we have what's the other one? Um, we have delivery method, lead, cross or lunch. OK, so if we pull one of those from each variable, right, one of those three, each, each variable has three. Right. If we pull one from each one and combine them. Right. We end up with 81 different ways to throw the same fist. Right. Now, if that doesn't keep people busy for a while, okay, so because we can practice defending against any one of those 81 and or develop defenses against them, and we can also learn how to throw one in any one of those. Right. Um, and that simplified things because in the foundations course that we're just wrapping up um, from the live version. Right. Um there's nine directional striking, not just clubs or hooks or straight, right? We can come in against any given target, right? Or their body in general from nine different directions. 
which leads to kind of an infinite thing, but it gets people, it's enough to get people started, right? So, um, but anyway, so let's go back to this doubt thing, right? I have to get, I have to do an end around ego at the moment because anything that you are doing now and you believe in, right? There's little to no doubt. But, so let's ask the question differently. Have you ever learned anything that you did then or still do doubt that it would um, work on the street, work when you need it, that you doubted that it was a sound technique, skill, approach, whatever? James, I'm going to let you be their proxy for the moment just in case nobody says anything. Um, is there anything that you've ever learned in any martial art you practice um, that you doubted would work? Or you at least questioned whether or not you'd be able to pull that out and do it at speed in a real situation. Sure. Um, there's probably many different things back when I was first got into martial arts. Uh, <clears throat> it was all Taekwondo. I did more traditional style and Olympic style, but in the more traditional style, they had a, like a self-defense kind of portion of the class. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that stuff that was, <clears throat> I don't know, it just had a lot of doubt behind it. That's actually why I started exploring other directions and ended up at Warrior Concepts is because uh, it didn't look like anything else we did for one. So in the classes and I don't know, just the, uh, they're like Dave Fletch just threw in the tornado kick in Taekwondo. Exactly. Stuff like that. I mean, we were obviously very heavy on flashy kicks or high kicks and spinning kicks. And <clears throat> there was even things like that. I mean, you could see that I've talked to some other instructors that, you know, there's always the potential for the application of it, but mm-hmm. you know, for the time that they wanted to dedicate to like something that specific that it would be probable that you could use it in like a street altercation kind of thing. Like if you watch any like CCTV footage or anything, like how's this going to work in that and not end badly for me, even if it might work in that moment in that context though, if mm-hmm. other people are involved or anything like that. And See, now you're, now you see, you took away my second question, right? What made you doubt it? Right. So since your context was looking for real world self-defense and you've thought about things, right, um, the active self-defense videos that are on where they had the, the closed circuit TV mm. uh, things and like, holy shit. Right. I, I, I don't I couldn't do that. I, I don't have the time for it. I'm exposing certain targets or whatever. That makes sense. Could you see? Well, can you understand why a lot of people stick with the system and have no doubt about it? Right. What would make somebody not have any doubt about it? They don't have any experience uh, in a real world situation. Um, they're in it for they want to have a black belt in the martial art. Right. So the martial art itself doesn't matter. What matters is that they have this sign of. Right. Um, they see it happening in sport kind of stuff all the time. And so that yes. makes perfect sense. Whatever. Right. 
So there's lots of reasons that we would have doubt. There's also reasons that we would not have doubt, right? Um, the other one is just flat out. And when I say ignorance, I don't mean stupidity, right? I don't mean this in a negative term. I have to keep reminding people when they go through Mikio programs, when we talk about ignorance, um, we're in the realm of the uh, unconscious uh, incompetency, right? We don't, we don't know, right? We just we don't know we don't know, right? So, um, but, but there's this thing, right? So um, there's this this doubt, right? Anybody else um, toss anything out? Uh, Dave just threw out people with Superman level physical skills. Hmm. Yeah, I remember um, uh, my first teacher in this art is way taller than me, right? Damn near half a foot taller than me. Okay, he's 6'1", 6'2", something like that, right? And I'm 5'6 and change. So there was a long period of time where I was trying to do certain techniques and learn things and whatnot. I had no doubt in the technique or whatever. What I had was was that like burning fire in my gut. I'm going to figure this out. Right. And I didn't make a correlation to the fact that since he was taller and had longer reach, he could make things work the way he did them. Right. He, he would demonstrate techniques and whatnot and he could make them work, but I could not. Right. And I didn't make the correlation to my angling needs to be different. My timing needs to be different, whatever. Right. Because he was taller, because he was bigger, upper body bigger, that kind of thing, right? Um, and it, it didn't become evident until I started working with a different teacher who was my height. And he pointed out that somebody who's bigger, taller, has greater reach, right? You, right? And this is, this is not meant in a derogatory way because if you run into somebody your height or bigger, stronger, whatever, you're going to run into the same problem I have, right? You can afford to have sloppy taijutsu against most students in the dojo. Not that I want you to have it, not that you want to have it, but you can afford to have it because you have an advantage. You have a reach advantage. You have, you know what I mean? I, I always joke around with guys that are built like you. You're how tall? 6'3". Yeah, 6'3", right? Long ass legs, short torso, Whatever, right? So my joke is always when you go back into Ichimonji, people should need freaking binoculars to see to find you. And when you come back in, they're going to need depends because the amount of inertia you can build up because of that distance, you're just going to have more power behind things, right? But because you can step back half the distance based on leg length and whatnot that I have to step back, you're going to be out of range, but I need to be dead on the money because of because of height, right? And so I can go back into Ichimonji against one of yours, and you can't reach me with another one unless you step, right? I mean, it's obvious that you're going to be too fucking far away. Excuse my language. But um, I got to hit an angle where you just can't reach me unless you step. And because you're taller and longer, that also slows you down because you have to, right? So I have to understand that physiology and, and the geometry of the body better Right. Again, this stuff that people call BS. Right. Um, and I don't mind that people call BS because I'm OK with doubt. I'm OK with people not being able to get their head wrapped around it. Right. 
because they don't know what they don't know, but they think they know, right? But they're they're willing to condemn, or they their 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 snap judgment or whatever is to condemn things outside of their realm of understanding, right? Where the wise person will look at something they've never seen before and go, hmm, when would that work? That's interesting. Because if they're doing that, they might try doing that shit to me. And while I don't think it is valid that I'm going to do it, what will I do when somebody throws that at me? Right? Or tries to do it. Right? Because one of the things that was used to eradicate doubt or to dispel other systems uh, skills in a lot of martial arts that I was in was you just have to be faster or trickier so that doesn't happen. Yeah, well, what if you're not, right? What if you're now 60 with arthritis or, you know, all those things that you're never going to be, right? Um, or you're just you got the flu and you can barely freaking move, let alone – um, you know, think clearly or whatever, right? Um, now what? Well, that's never going to happen to me, right? Because you're invincible. In that case, why bother fucking learning martial arts at all, right? If you're already indestructible, then you're wasting your time learning something you don't need, right? Because unless somebody comes at you with kryptonite there, Superman, right? It's not going to matter. See, the, the cognitive dissonance that people get away with, right? Where they, they, have two conflicting fucking views, right? It's kind of like when we we talk to women about uh, learning uh, self-defense or taking a rape defense class or whatever, and they dismiss it by going, oh, I don't need that. That's that's my my boyfriend or my husband's job. Oh, well, okay, so they like, they can defend themselves. They, they're they really good at, you know, self-defense. And, and they'll go, <laughs> yeah, okay, like he couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag. Did you just listen to the insanity that just came out of your freaking mouth, right? You don't need to take classes because that's his job. But you just, in the next breath, said he couldn't defend himself. So how, so it's just this dumbass response to cover up laziness, right? Or fear or anxiety or whatever, right? But we we go through this kind of stuff all the time. And this is the kind of stuff, for anybody that thinks they want to do Mikyo, if you think the esoteric uh, lessons or the programs or whatever um, are beneath, beneath you, below you, above you, uh, not for you or whatever, Mikio accelerates that shit 10 times faster, 100 times faster, whatever. Yeah, it'll ferret that shit out really fast. And, of course, people will quit because same reasons they quit from other martial arts, right? Because they can't do it fast enough. It doesn't live up to their expectations. They're not as good at it up front. Right? But the point of going through that first thing is to ferret out all the shit you can't do. Um, did I just, I don't know if I just shared it or not. I did. On the online ninja, uh, training Facebook page, I shared a video short with a guy named, uh, from a guy named David Goggins. You know, get David Goggins, right? It's just, crazy motherfucker anyways <laughs> and that's coming from me um he uh he talks about this idea of dreams everybody's got a dream right everybody's got a dream the dream is bullshit right the the dream people 
if you still have a dream, it's because you're not acting on it. Right? It's one thing to have a vision that you're working toward because what the dream does is gives you a to-do list. Right? To do that thing. I just had a, a private one-on-one with one of my guys this morning. Um, and we were looking at this idea that, you know, people stop at visualizing uh, attaining a goal. And I talk about this a lot, but it's only one step. It's like the first of a, of a multi-step kind of thing, right? So at least 13 steps in the process, depending on the system that you go through. So they'll visualize the goal, but they don't make the connection that the person that they want to be thinks a certain way, communicates a certain way, has a certain skill set, are able to accomplish things in certain realms, right? What are they? And all of those things, because they see, they visualize, but they make the assumption that they're going to be the same person they are now, then with just a bunch of skills. But you're not. Any more than you're the same person that you were when you were nine. Ego thinks it is, but you're not. You don't have the same fears, the same desires, the same, the same jokes don't make you laugh, whatever. And, and on top of that, your body isn't the same. And I don't just mean you look different. I mean, your organs have all replaced themselves multiple times over. Like you don't have anything in your body now that you, that you had when you were nine. Right. So you're not going to be the same person. But they want the benefits. With. But they, they want this, you know, they want to be the same. You're not, you're not. So when you visualize this. Right. And then you determine what they're able to do. You end up with a to do list. I have to learn these things. I have to practice these things. I have to I have to experience these things. Right. Um, it, it's all going to be different. Right. Just like you can't relate to the 90 year old you. You have memories. But they're these little flashes. Right. These little blips. Okay? Can you imagine tolerating the same things today that you tolerated when you were nine? I guess if you still need a mommy and daddy, maybe, but not the same right um well the opposite's true too right can you imagine having the same possibilities and the same open thinking and the same you know uh belief that you can be this grand thing that you had when you were nine that somewhere along the way you gave up on Okay. They're equally true, right? But anyway, so uh, any anything else pop in, James, um, that I can address before? No, sir. Okay. All right. So um, just one more little blip here with the with the hierarchy of competency, right? It's designed like a triangle because it's going to take a lot of perseverance and courage and whatnot to stick through all of the incompetency 
to ferret out and to load up the second tier, right, which is conscious incompetency, right? Because the more I screw up, the more I fail, the more I realize my coordination's off or whatever, right? I'm making a list. I'm making a list of the shit that I now, I know how it's supposed to look. I know what I'm supposed to know. I know what the skill sets are. I know what the expectations are. But I also know I can't do those things. Or I can only do it half. Or I can only do it three quarters or 10% or whatever, right? So it's making a list. So the second tier, conscious incompetency, comes out of all that hard work. But both of these tiers, the movement is really freaking slow. Right. Because I'm learning kata. I'm learning these things. I'm trying to get good enough to do it, whatever. Right. And I'm aiming for conscious competency. It's smaller. (laughs) For two reasons. One, less people get there. Okay, Most drop out because it's just too damn much hard work. Right. But it's smaller because you're spending less time there. Right. I know what it's supposed to look like and now I can do it. Right. But it's also where people stop as well, because the goal was what? To be able to do them. But if you still need to think about it, if you still need to do it like consciously, right? I have to think about, do the kata, this step, that step, whatever, okay? Or this skill or whatever. Um, That's not mastery. It's proficiency, right, in the dojo. It's proficiency if the goal was to be able to do martial arts moves, okay? But the top tier, and sometimes you don't know that you're in the top tier until you surprised yourself by doing something you didn't realize was in to the degree that it came out. The top tier is unconscious competency. I asked somebody tonight uh, what they thought unconscious competency was. And what, what did she say? I didn't know I knew it. Okay? No. Conscious competency is knowing that I know it. Right? Unconscious competency is knowing, knowing it so freaking well that it's the new habit pattern. You don't have to think about it to do it. I don't have to think about the English language and my vocabulary set to have been talking for what? The last almost hour. And communicating what I, what I'm communicating. Inflection, all those kind of things, right? The muscles are developed to, I can just open my mouth and say what needs to be said in this language. Okay? I'm not at the same level with Japanese. Okay? However, right? Most of us don't have to think about the vocabulary, the order or structure of words, nothing like that, right? We simply have something to say and boom, it's just, right? We're communicating an experience and there it is. We're communicating, uh, we're, uh, communicating, uh, a certain emotional, uh, state that we're in, right? We don't communicate. I am angry, so I am going to communicate this as though I am angry. No, you're fucking angry, so that, that conditions the words that you're using, right? So that's unconscious competency, right? If you're driving, if you're, if you drive, right? You can be driving past or coming up on an intersection. It looks like some yahoo's not going to stop at that stop sign. Right. Your body will execute upwards of a 100 micro movements in half a second and give you like left brain time to flip this guy off or otherwise communicate some other way. Right. 
But unconscious competency is the ability to control that vehicle and to execute those movements outside of conscious intellectual left brain functions. Right. You know, you know how to drive conscious competency. I know how to I know how to do it. But when you're doing it, you don't have to think about it. Not even a little bit. And if you do, it's in moments where it's atypical on slipping and sliding on ice. And it's going in a certain direction. And I have to have this little flash from the left brain that goes turn into it. Okay. Because the instinct is to, right, steer in the opposite direction. Right. So we have these little flashes. Right. It's the same thing inside of a fight. Right. You're inside of a self-defense situation. Right. So, but here's the thing. Doubt. A having a healthy sense of doubt in your training is a must because the alternative is to be a blind disciple, a blind follower, and just do whatever the person says. Okay. There's lots of people that do that, but right. So what I got from every single one of my teachers, whether it was in the Mikyo realm or the Nijitsu realm or self-defense, even in the military, right? A healthy sense of doubt, right? Because that makes you a critical thinker. Okay. It makes you, uh, at least in part awake, right? So I may not doubt the technique, but I may doubt that I'll be able to do it in the moment I need to do it. Cause this, you know, I got through, I got through the unconscious and the conscious incompetency. And now I can do it, but I'm doing it, I'm always doing it in the dojo. I'm always doing it in a controlled uh, environment or under controlled conditions, right? Like uh, a sitting breakfall or something like that, right? Um, I do it when he does uchigake, whatever, sweeps my leg out from under me, and that's how I'm saving myself because he just caught me and I'm dropping, okay? But it's not until... Right. You. Your body does it. But you're thinking about something else. Right. Or you have these little flashes of not that way. Right. And then your body just executes on this thing. But you didn't. It, things happen so fast that you don't have time to think about it. Right. And so often life is the thing that. Shows you that it's into that degree. Okay, so um, coincidentally, I love these happy little coincidences, right, where um, uh, and I think we have to account for those in training, too, but that's for another episode um, where and here's here's an example. Right. I chose this topic. Yesterday. Right. Put up all the stuff, put it out. Right. And I didn't know until what time, James? Three thirty, four, four. I don't know. Somewhere like was it just before class that you told me, or was it? It wasn't after class. It was just before class, right? So somewhere between four and four thirty this afternoon, when James came into the dojo. Um, he shared a, a story that was freaking perfect for this, right? Because whether he had it or not, right? Um, there are these strange moves for certain types of break falls and whatever. And then they, you know, okay. 
when will I use them? When will I not? Or we learn it under the context or in a certain context, right? Because mastery is the ability or wisdom or whatever you want to call it is the ability to use any given skill outside of the context that you learned it. Okay. Like tying shoes, right? That knot, it's a slip knot, right? But use that to make a bow to tie a package together. You can make it whatever, right? There's, we, that's the same knot we use to tie our freaking D jackets closed, right? So shoes are not even involved, but it's a utility knot, right? So, um, but he came in with this thing, and I'm going to turn this over to James and let him tell this whole. I almost broke my legs in four places uh, <laughs> story, right? That should have told him how deep this ability with Taihen Jutsu is inside. And the breakfall was, I would say it's nothing like he's ever done, but it's actually a combination of multiple breakfall movements adapted to a given situation. Yeah. And all because, right. Okay. We're doing this, not just breakfalls, but we're doing stretching a certain way. Right. And, you know, when the hell am I ever going to freaking need this kind of flexibility in my hips? Because nobody that I've ever trained with has ever had me stretch this way or this joint this way or whatever. Right. But the insights that came out of today's incident. Um, yeah. So I'm going to turn that over to James and uh, let him tell a story. So, James, I'm even going to make you the big guy. So can you switch it? How do, you, how do we do that? Ta-da! Look at that. It's James, everyone. Sensei James. Right. <laughs> so <clears throat> it was on. Uh, it was just this past Saturday afternoon. I was at work, which is right now at a basically a commercial greenhouse that grows uh, leafy greens hydroponically, and <clears throat> I had one of my coworkers needed uh, me to check something with him out in the greenhouse. And it was after we were done harvesting uh, stuff for the day. So there was lettuce and whatnot on, on the ground and the floor is concrete and it's very smooth concrete. So it's easy to clean. And I was just walking out through with him and I went to walk what I thought was over a pile of lettuce that somebody had swept up. And the next thing I know, uh, my right leg is just, like it stepped on a, I had stepped on a sheet of ice and my right leg shot straight out, uh, in front of me. And I've slipped before and typically I just sort of sink on the remaining leg, like a single leg squat basically and just catch myself that way before I hit the ground. And I had started to do that. And for whatever reason, my left leg that as I started to go down on it, my left foot just rolled underneath me the ankle just rolled in some weird way and I just felt all my body weight dropping on that leg in a very bad way from my ankle and I could feel it stretch the whole way up through my knee and whatnot and I just the thought of you're about to blow your ankle or your knee or something flashed through as I'm falling and just very quickly before I realized really what was going on, I had sort of thrown my upper body and twisted in a way that sort of ended up in a 
side half forward slapping break fall kind of position that took all my weight off that or most of my weight off that leg so I was able to basically catch myself I mean I still hit the ground but like nothing happened I didn't uh, sprain my ankle or my knee and uh, most importantly I was between a stainless steel conveyor belt and a concrete pond wall and I didn't take a crack my head off either of those or my face off the ground or anything so I ended up hitting the ground that way and the guy that was with me is like like holy hell are you okay that looked horrible and I just started laughing a little bit because at that point I realized that that could have went very horribly wrong and uh, it just happened and I caught myself and picked myself up and just kept on going uh, and thankfully nothing happened it was a little sore pop spadville but uh, it also reinforced that brake falls are meant to keep you from breaking that it tweaked a little bit but nothing that wasn't gone by the end of the day so it did exactly what it was supposed to do and, uh, how'd I lose you sorry mm -hmm. how do we get you in there I, I lost your small picture sorry about that mm -hmm. uh, you know what we're both listed as Daishion Miller how'd that happen that's pretty cool. It's not James. It's me. I just look different. Anyway, so um, you guys should still be able to hear James. So one of the things that James brought up when he originally told me the story was had he not ever done those stretches to the ankle, oh, right. we, 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 we have our feet flat this way, right? But we'll roll our foot up onto the side or the side top of the foot while being upright in Shizen. And we'll, you know, apply weight and all that to stretch it. And the, the more flexible it gets and the more comfortable we get with that, then we can walk on the side edge of our foot, mm -hmm. right? Because the ninja would use that as a stealth-type movement as well in areas where you can't put the foot down flat like this. You need a very thin profile, right? So um, I, I think what you told me earlier was that had you not done those stretches, you don't think that your ankle would have survived going as far as you did into that movement. Uh, right. Yeah, it was fully rolled. And I was like I said, most body my body weight was on it, but I was collapsing on my leg, like dropping full. Yeah. And I'm I'm pretty sure that if it wasn't for that, I would have definitely severely sprained, if not popped it completely. Cause, yeah. So yeah. I don't know if people can imagine what he did. It, the, the end position would have looked because when, once he turned to take the weight off that ankle, it shot out from under him, right? So he ended up with his lower body in like a side break fall position, right. upper body turned to the side. So he was twisted in the middle in a forward slapping break fall because people assume that forward slapping break fall, you're always going to be falling to the front instead of your upper body is in a certain position, right? To receive the ground, right? So anyway. Um, so, you know, the world points those kind of things out, but having a healthy sense of doubt so that you don't get caught up, right, in being the blind follower, right, being the uh, whatever, right, um, is an okay thing, right? And it's respectful 
unless you have an instructor who is who who demands blind obedience, in which case I would say, run, don't walk. Okay. Um, the same thing I would say if they were trying to convince you that, you know, all their techniques are unbeatable. What do I tell you guys? All techniques are beatable, right? So, which is why we work on countering the counter and countering the counter counter and, right, because it's, you know, they're supposed to give you an advantage, not make you invincible. You have a human body, for God's sake. Good luck being invincible, right? So, um, but it should be it, one. It should be okay, and and given that the instructor is, um, you know, a decent human being, um, it's respectful to look at an instructor and say, I, "I don't, I don't understand how that works," or "I don't understand how to do it." Okay, because that's certain levels of doubt, right? Um, I don't understand when that would even be used. I mean, I've never seen that used in a fight. Okay, And to deconstruct or to reverse engineer some of the comments that have been left on uh, my videos and other people's videos, right? Instead of saying, that's a bunch of bullshit, that would never work. Or, yeah, like, I can't remember ever a time that I would, uh, that I've grabbed somebody's wrist or somebody's ever grabbed my wrist, right? Um, so, yeah, bullshit. Okay. Instead of saying that, right? I've never grabbed anybody by the wrist, or I nobody's ever grabbed me by the wrist, right? I, I don't understand how that would happen, right? Because if you say that, then the teacher—I'll give you a for instance, because I say this on a regular basis, right? Um, if if he has a reason to do it, he'll do it. Right. Even if this guy's never grabbed a wrist in his life, but every time he get close enough and I started taking my knuckles and wrapping on the bones or the knuckles of his hand. Right. To cause pain. Right. One of his options may be to knock my arm aside or to grab that damn hand. So I stop doing that. Or when we're doing Hanbo stuff. Right. Somebody starts to get closer. Everybody jumps straight to the technique. But what about. The stuff leading up to that, okay? So he tries to get into range, right? How do I make him attack me from the distance that the kata says he's going to attack me from? Why would he do that? Okay? He's not, he's not reading out of the same textbook I am, right? He's going to attack me the way he wants. But I can establish distance by, as he starts moving in, if he gets within range... I don't have to do a cool move yet. I can just reach out with the tip of that freaking hombo, start knocking on the bones of his hand. He'll establish establish proper distance. What the hell's proper distance? Out of range of my damn stick, because I don't need a 2,000-year-old secret to use on this guy if I can convince him to stay farther away from me. And I don't have to. I don't have to worry about random chaotic movements based on how he wants to do things and then hoping I can make my technique work in there. Okay. Um, and, and we, you know, every technique has its range. Every technique has its, they're, they're all not, they're not all the same, not just because the moves are different, 
for instance, right, uh, we're in week 14 in the Foundations of Ninja Self-Defense program, or Mod 1 in our uh, pre-black belt phases. And so this week we revisited cross-side wrist grabs. Two of the techniques worked with, um, one was uh, raw technique, break the grip, and now I'm going to use a different strategy, move to a different place than I taught originally so that we can start taking advantage of blind spots in the human and bo the body, right? So we're, we're, con we're combining different things that people have learned along the way, but bumping the strategy and the tactics up, right, a notch. Another one was when he grabs me, as I come around, things kind of loosen up for whatever reason, right? I just have more mobility in here, okay? Um, now, when, when James was grabbing me, he could have certainly grabbed me and held me, held me down, right? But we're now in, we're nearing the end of October going into uh, November, which means we're well into autumn. And where I live, it's getting cooler and all that kind of stuff. So somebody would have a better grip now than they would have had a month and a half or two months ago, right? July, August, palms are going to be sweaty. I'm going to be sweaty. Add in the adrenal response, whatever. No matter how firm this guy's grip is, things could get a little slippery just because, right, We the, the conditions are right for that kind of thing, right? Or he grabs me by the wrist, but I'm wearing a certain type of clothing and the material, right, doesn't allow for bite. It it moves, okay? I'm thinking like Under Armour and stuff like that, right? You can grab that firmly, but you're not you're not latching on as well, right? And it, different types of material, right? And I don't think people factor that stuff in because they consistently train in a martial arts uniform, right? And they don't look at these kind of things. But anyway, it frees up, and we've got a variation for that where – he started out grabbing my wrist, and I end up grabbing his wrist and then doing an arm bar on it, okay? And then we did this one where he just moves in and grabs it and pins the hand down. So all those earlier techniques of being able to come around and, you know, do this leverage to take him off, or even the knuckle buster kind of thing where we're pounding down on his hand, it's just in a bad angle, right? So how do you get out of this one kind of thing, right, by changing that up? So this is the kind of thing in that phase three, right? And all of our modules are laid out like this, where we switch up variables so that we, we understand that, look, you know, this is not a freaking catch-all kind of thing, right? But this is where I would go with a student, right? I don't understand when this would be used, okay? So I'm now going to paint a picture of a a scenario, okay, that they can start to get their head wrapped around, Right. And 99.9% .9 of the time, a student will say, oh, I never thought about that. Good. And I normally joke and say, well, I've earned my keep today then. Right. Um, but that's part of the teacher's job. Right. To point these things out because either they've thought things through to that, they've seen it or they've lived it. Right. So um, they're trying to broaden your horizons. OK. But it puts the technique into context. Okay. Um, and those things are all perfectly respectful, right, because of the way they're approached. I don't get it. I understand the context or whatever. And sometimes 
And this can sound like the teacher's being disrespectful, but they're not, because sometimes you're not going to get your head wrapped around it until you've had more experiences, kind of like a kid, right? If my four-year-old grandson is helping me work on my car, right, and I just have one of him handing tools to me or we're just having a little bonding experience or whatever, right, he has no idea how that freaking internal combustion engine works, right? But he can be throwing all kinds of freaking ideas at me. Grandpa, what if you took that piece over there and put it over there? Because, like, it really works like this because he can come up with all kinds of things. And no matter what I say to him, not going to compute. So I say, that's a really good idea, buddy. Can you hand me that wrench right there? Right? Can you go see if Grammy can, you know, have you send a, a cold drink out with you or whatever, right? But I'm going to tell him, that's a good idea. Okay? So, but in the context of class, right, and this, this happens in Japan a lot, so if you don't like when an American teacher says it, you're really not going to like when a Japanese teacher says it, right? And you say, when would I do this? Why would I do this? Uh, I don't understand. The teacher's going to laugh at you and go, doesn't matter. You can't do it. See, those questions come down the line, right? Until you can do it, what does it matter? When it would be used? How it would be used? Whatever. James, can you imagine us setting up a training drill so that we can all practice doing that break fall just the way you did it today? <laughs> but in a future class, when you're – Trying to teach the side sitting break fall, the roll, the ankle rolling kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, stretch, or the forward slapping break fall or whatever, and you're getting resistance from students because they don't like it. I've never been good at this. Da da da. Right? You now have a story to tell about mm-hmm. how later on you need to be at an ability where you might need to use a third of three different skills. At the same time or in a cascading effect to not have your body blow apart. Okay. It's kind of like when I did that sitting at that Tachi Nagade, right? Uh, and still broke a little bone piece on my back. And how many people said, well, I get, where was your break falls then? My break fall was working just fine. Thank you very freaking much. I broke off a small piece of the, of a vertebrae and saved my skull and from my brains being splattered all over my porch and my wife coming home and finding me that way. So I lost a fingernail, and, yeah, you still ended up in the hospital. I did. Didn't end up in the morgue because I saved my skull. Right? I know exactly where I landed, and I know exactly how I landed. Sometimes you can't save everything. But without that skill... Because it happened in the blink of an eye, and I, I slipped on ice, ice that wasn't there 30 minutes before, and come down on concrete that's shaped like a chisel, and there were three of them. So, yeah, I'm not paralyzed. I'm not, you know, just like in a fight. You're not invincible. People train like they're not going to get punched. They're not going to get something broken. They're not... Your job is not to not have those things happen. Your job is to not have them to the degree that they're going to get, you know, TV's getting turned off, right? So, but anyway, right, it's respectful to point out those things. You may not like the answer that comes back, like the answer doesn't matter right now. You can't do it, okay? Um, Some people aren't going to like the answer that comes back later in their training when they realize that, um, yeah, we didn't have all those little pockets or packets of, of information. They were made up, right? So the thing you keep calling traditional, 
was made up in this generation or the one previous, okay? Because in the 60s and 70s, even in the early 80s, we didn't have these pockets. We didn't have these groupings, right? This grouping of stuff, right? Now, they were put into context, and you start to get the logic as to how they were put together, why they were put together. They were expedients for this or that or whatever, but you're not going back more than, you know, a couple of decades to find out that, oh, that wasn't traditional. That wasn't the way it was done. Okay? That'll rock some people's world. Okay. Um, but you won't sound like some people that I know in this art where, um, you know, they were trying to get something and uh, really struggling with it. Right. And they could not for the life of them make it work. Right. And uh, then and they were working with um, Hatsumi Sensei right, at the time. And um, Hatsumi Sensei showed them the correct way to do it because. I, I learned this little method, and it, it works wonders, right, um, for the right students. He showed them a technique bro- that was in a broken form to see if they were actually, if they were learning, if they were critical thinkers, right, if they would try to work it out, right, and figure out that something off right here, right? But because they were just right blind followers right and then the teacher chuckles and goes well here's the way it's done right um here's does that work better right so part of this lesson is i will lie to you and my one friend peer at the time is now doing way other more other martial arts because Damn it, I pay for lessons and I expect to be taught the right way. You don't play these freaking mind games with me. You don't lie. You don't whatever, right? I'm paying you to give me the, and so screw it. I'm not putting up with this shit. I'm going to go someplace else where they're going to play my game. Except we're learning ninjutsu. How the hell are you going to learn to sort through other people's bullshit or see clearly in that kind of uh, realm if, right? And, you know, we can believe that we're, criti- we're critical thinkers until somebody pulls a little switcheroo on us like that and we got caught in our own stagnant or static thinking. But this disrespect comes flying out, right? As we said, say, I'm tens of thousands of students at that point, so, you know, whatever. Okay? Not that he wasn't sorry to see somebody go, and he blew it off way more than I would have because my friend and peer kind of unleashed in a, in a very disrespectful way. But, okay. So, but there's this, there's this, man, and I, I, the word I chose was douchey, right? This, this, this level of disrespect, it doesn't matter if you, if you buy into somebody else's stuff or not, right? But some people feel the need to assign themselves, I don't know, the martial arts police or the, in whatever realm, right? Going around and telling people that they know better, even if it's implied, right? You're full of shit. That doesn't work, right? Da-da-da, okay? okay. Well, to me, all you're highlighting is, okay, you've never thought of that, right? You don't 
know how it works, and so you're going to condemn it. But even if you do know for sure that it doesn't work, right? I don't comment on anybody's stuff. Right? Even the dumbest shit that I've ever seen, okay? Because we'll grab things and we'll try it out. We'll go, yeah, okay? Because one of the lessons I got from Hatsumi Sensei is, at the advanced levels, you need to be looking. You need to be able to look at somebody's technique, and either recognize, even if it's flawed, that the premise is correct, or that's something you should never do. Okay, that's a level of understanding that goes way beyond. I know the moves. Okay, but I would. I'm not going to correct those who are in error, because I don't have any responsibility to them. Right, I have responsibility to my students. Okay, for them. I was also taught to not try to re-educate the masses. Because if I re-educate the masses, I lose my advantage. Right? I double, triple, 10x, whatever, the number of people that could bring those same skills back at me. Okay? So, let them go. Leave them alone. Right? Um, but anyway, right? So, uh, just hopefully, I don't have anybody following me that's that's that kind of thing, right? Uh, James, remember when uh, we rebooted this uh, the podcast, and there was somebody else that was inviting other people onto their podcast. I I don't even know if they're still around anymore. I haven't seen anything, um, but uh, they had a whole following, and they would do lives just to get on with certain people. They had these groupies and whatnot. They would get on and spend all their time doing nothing but talking down or badly about other people. Mm-hmm. That's your time. That's that's the time you're going to spend doing what? How the hell is that? How is that related to your training other than stroking your ego? Right. And so he always tried to come across as very enlightened and neutral and, you know, trying to spread things, you know, to the world and whatnot, except those of us who sat back and gathered information, like we, we don't, we're not just jumping on somebody's podcast because we have the opportunity uh, to do things, right? Um, if I'm going to be in, in an interview with somebody or whatever, that has to, that has to be a three-way value, right? Yes to that guy, right? Because he's sharing me with his people who trust him, right? It has to be valuable to them, but you know what? It also has to be valuable to me. Because I don't need to talk to a bunch of people that are just going to, you know, they're going to jump on this and then change the feel and the environment and the the, the dynamic, right? Because um, that'll just change everything. But anyway, um, I think he tried to get like Stephen Hayes on, uh, who turned him down. And he said the same thing I said, right? Which was, I don't like what you're doing and where you're going with things. So thank you, but no thank you. And he had a pretty big following, I think, right? Uh, what's that? It was a decent size. It was a decent size, right? And then he invited me, and I let it go for a little while because I needed to, you know, I didn't know him from Adam or whatever. And then not only, and I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem if somebody has naysayers because, um, you know, if you're doing something right, if you're doing it right, you should be very polarizing, right? There's going to be just as many people that hate you as that like you, if not more, right? Um, Asumi Sensei has had plenty of haters, right? Naysayers and all that, right? 
hell, if Jesus and Muhammad and all them were not above <laughs> having haters, then who the hell am I, right? But, and he had plenty of those people, no big deal, right? But right, I had to start looking at things, and what I started noticing was how he handled them, how he did things, right? Um, wasn't there an episode where he went live or something, and it was supposed to be a review of our podcast. And this, I thought was funny. I didn't take offense to it. Um, he wanted to share that with his people and have a review of it and stuff. And he had me playing in the background or something like that on one of his screens. Do you remember that? Oh, right. Yeah. He strummed a guitar the entire time. So nobody could like hear anything, but it was almost like he was, he was trying to validate me, but what he was doing was making it damn near impossible, right? So mm-hmm. anyway, so when it finally came down to it, I just, you know, I said, thanks, but no thanks. Um, you know, I just, I'm not getting a good feel about it or whatever. And then the next several messages were just hate flaming kind of things. And that just spoke volumes. So, um, so anyway, um, I've gotten used to, and I, you know, I've gotten kudos from people for putting up with the bullshit, but, um, you know, there's, there's a healthy respect. And I think we, I don't think anybody that's on and listening or that will listen has a problem identifying what I'm talking about, right? This disrespect, douchey and even do what what i what i find falls under douchey disrespect as well i was telling james this before the, the the episode started this also goes for people that are in a group or in a dojo or in an organization and they talk badly about it okay um in uh actually during thursday's seven steps class we were discussing um the precepts, right? The the five precepts that, that practitioners take um, because they've been proven for centuries, right? To not produce bad karma, right? Don't do these things. You won't have shit stacking up in your life kind of thing. And they're pretty much the obvious things. Uh, and that comes from the, the original uh, form, right? Of uh, where Mikio comes from, right? So, but in the second stage, there's often things added and then, you know, third, whatever, right? So, but in the, uh, in the Mahayana for Bodhisattva, right? For these uh, people who are helping other people, right? Um, there's other ones added to this, right? It's not, it's not the, it's not finite. Like people like, they try to remember things, right? So one of the ones, uh, this just popped into my head. One of the ones in that, expanded set is uh, not broadcasting errors that members of your school, your sect, your, you know, whatever have made, because we're all practitioners. We're all going to make mistakes along the way. Right. But you don't go broadcasting other people's mistakes. You don't talk down about them, whatever. Right. Um, You don't, um, uh, you don't speak, speak ill of your teacher. You don't speak ill of the program. You don't speak ill of, um, of the, the group of fellow practitioners, right? 
Um, and the reason for that, well, let me give you, here, here's a story, right? A bunch of years ago, I had uh, one person that I was allowing to work off their tuition. They were in a you know bad financial state, whatever. But they were willing to help with admin things at the dojo, all kinds of things, right? So pretty cool, right? Unfortunately, years later, when I took them to Japan, uh, they were one of these embarrassments that um, they were no longer a member of the school on our way back. Okay? But this is before that occurred. I had somebody else working part time and they were in a commission based uh, kind of position. Right. And so they helped with admin things. But at that time, we also uh, had a way to uh, get prospective students by just when we met people out in the world, right? We would, we had these guest pass and whatnot. And we would say, you know, uh, depending on time of year, let's just uh, use a general one, right? Um, hey, have you ever thought about taking martial arts? Uh, I'm so-and-so with whatever. Um, this time of year, we're giving everybody in the area uh, a chance to uh, just try out the program, you know, experience the benefits, the martial arts have always been known for, whatever, see if it's right for them. And we're giving away. And we had a little survey and stuff that we were doing. And it wasn't a manipulative survey. We were literally gathering information, which is what caused us to go from being uh, the name being uh, Miller's Martial Arts to uh, Warrior Concepts International. Right. So we had this bona fide survey. If they took the survey, we would give them this uh guest pass that was good for 30 days of unrestricted martial arts training and that they could cash that in and whatever. There's a whole way to even cash it in and save a hundred dollars off their membership if they decided to get involved. Right. So, um, but she, you know, she, she was, man, she was a hard worker. Holy crap. If I could afford to keep her full time, that's one of those moments in my life that I kick myself for. She was just, she was a go getter. Well, anyway, she comes to me one day almost in tears. Um, she tried to keep it in. She tried to, you know, not bother me with it. Um, but she was really, really disturbed because this other person who eventually was asked to never come back again, um, they were working together on admin things. And she said, you know, the whole time that, that she was working with her, she did nothing but complain. She, uh, you know, she spoke badly about me. She spoke badly about the program. She spoke badly about how the school was being run. Um, you know, um, if she were doing it, da, 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 I had certain systems in place that um, they did not make sense to her. She just didn't like them. And I was making her do it anyway because um, she would rather do it this way over here. And see, we even have a system for changing systems and upgrading things and whatnot. Um because of the cost in time, effort, sometimes money, whatever, right? So you got to show me that if you, you want to change, it has to be more than just you don't want to do it that way. You want to do it your way, um, that you have to show a 25% decrease in expense, time, whatever, or 25% increase in productivity, whatever, right? And if you can't do that, so I don't just have a suggestion box because, you know, Suggestion boxes are bullshit. Most suggestions going to suggestion boxes are not well thought through. They're just somebody wants to do it their way. And that's, that's all there is to it, right? 
Um, but anyway, so she's distraught because this other person is just lambasting everything. Right. And I put her at ease. Um, and I had a conversation with the other person who vehemently denied it. Right. Of course, you know, they're just trying to throw her into the bus because they're trying to steal her job, which your job is to work off your tuition. Right. So, but anyway, but here's my thing with this, right? If, if you're doing this thing, then you don't believe in the teacher. You don't believe in the program, right? Why the hell are you there? That makes no sense. Right. So, uh, but this person that I let go would complain at any job. There's just one of these people that no matter what, no matter where they work, because I've confronted people in when I did work for other people, uh, you know, somebody complaining at work. And I go, you don't have to be here. You can work somewhere else. Well, you don't understand, right? Because you're setting up a business. You don't have to be here. No, you don't understand. Because if you understood and you actually took control of your life, you don't need to be here. Right. So I'm dealing with the same things you are, but I smile because um, this is paying the bills I need to have paid until I do this other thing. And if this place really was what you said it is, I wouldn't be here. Okay. But the reality is, is that personality type will complain everywhere they go because they work. They don't want to work. But they work in places where they believe will hire them, right? They don't believe that they have the skill set or whatever for more, even though they want more, right? Um, but well, here's here's the not nice way to say it, right? Um, they have a an opposing belief about being on welfare there's a stigma in their belief system about that and what it would say about them so they work but they don't like it they don't want to have to work they want to do barely enough to not get fired whatever okay so um but these people do the same things in martial arts dojos. They do the same thing within the organization, whatever. Don't be a part of the damn organization if, you know, are there other things going on? Yeah. Yeah. Those people are generating their own karma. Okay. So it doesn't mean you have to like everything about it. But if you recognize that everything's an opportunity for deeper understanding and everything, I used to say everything's a test. Okay. Everything's an opportunity for learning. Right. The reason I call this self-protection instead of self-defense is self-defense to most people is ducking punches or not getting stabbed or whatever. To me, self-protection goes way beyond that. Okay. I actually call it more like survival, but right. Am I protecting my mental state? Am I protecting my uh my ability to provide for my family am i protecting my, there's way more than just ducking punches right am i protecting myself against the the acid and acidic just 
personalities and things like that that can swallow you up and turn you into one of them. Right. So. Okay. Um, anyway, so, uh, James, uh, any other any questions or comments or anything like that pop up? Uh, Dave threw two comments in. Break falls are the most practical martial arts techniques. More agree. And the least, and the least loved. (laughs) For sure. I don't like them. Nobody gives a shit. Right? As a matter of fact, the bad guy hopes you don't like them. Right? Anyway, what else? Uh, more people are hurt falling by far than getting injured fighting. And half of the things I have learned in this didn't make total sense until years after I first learned them. And that, you know what, that's no different than growing up, right? Parents do things and you, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's because you have such a freaking limited ver- view of the world, right? Um, so, and not, not just you, all of us, right? And then you go, I, I remember now I had, I, I had, <laughs> I had one of those evil step parents, right? I had, and it wasn't just because like I didn't like him or you know, whatever, right? This guy was, this guy was physically, mentally, and emotionally abusive, right? So, um, and when I was, I remember when I was very, very young, right? Um, cause something made me flash back when my, one of my teachers said this, I think it was my Nikyo teacher, right? That, um, uh, we all have this age and we all think that we're adults and stuff, but how many things that you do are still being driven? Like the vehicle is still being driven by the six year old who made a decision way back, right? And here's one of those things, right? And I could have been five, six, whatever, right? But I remember, like, just the the way he treated my mom, the way he, you know, whatever, right? And I made a promise, right, that when I grew up, I was not going to do it that way, right? I was going to da-da-da-da-da, right? Which made sense to the six-year-old. And then I grew up, I got into relationships and I realized that if you're always doing everything the other person wants, then, then what? Right. And so that caused its own pain. It caused its own, right. If I was going to parent based on, and I had to recognize that even this fucking monster, right. Got it right. Sometimes, right. That sometimes, right. That not being abusive, not being, you know, not, punching my kids right nothing like right but sometimes right? what's that old saying most people that have only ever watched or looked at a digital watch don't get this but a broken clock is right at least twice a day but you have to understand analog clocks for that to make any sense right so uh, but it's true right i had to recognize that right sometimes so years later absolutely right years later didn't make any sense right or how these things would mix together. James, did you ever in your wildest dream think that you would have used the ankle flexibility, what started as a sitting break fall that transitioned into a side sitting break fall with the almost damaged foot, because it was the other foot that slipped, mm-hmm. right? So you started going into a sitting break fall, Tachi Nagate, Tachi Nagate, right? except your base ankle freaking rolled over in the process because of the surface you were on. Mm-hmm. And now you need to save that. So 
what started as a sitting breakfall on one side transitioned into a side-sitting breakfall on the other side out of a uber-stretched ankle, thank God, right? And you did a forward-slapping breakfall with your torso, but to the side, mm-hmm. right? Did you ever think in your wildest dreams that those things would have gone together? No. Yeah. And if I would have painted that picture, some kind of doubt would have popped in, right? Like, sure. when the hell, <laughs> how the hell would that even happen? Well, now you know. <laughs> so, so sense point, no point. But you're going to describe that later on, and people are going to have a level of doubt. Or they're, you know, just going to flat out tell you, fucking whacked, right? There's no way for that to even happen, right? So, bullshit, right? So, anyway. Anyway, all right. So, uh, there's nothing else? Seriously, I just... Uh, just Victor put in there, I often wonder if these guys have ever been in a fight. I believe, well, I think that there's a lot of people that aren't, and they get in martial arts for lots of reasons, right? But the most of the people, and James knows this because he, you know, he's right there in the trenches with me uh, with these comments and stuff like that. A lot of these people have been in fights. Very few of these people have been in self-defense situations. Okay. And you and I know this because they think about a fight the same way. They have never considered that a fight could start out the way they assume it will. And when, but if the other guy starts losing, he pulls out a gun and shoots you in the face or he pulls a knife or his friend jumps you from the side. All these things that, well, that's cheating shit or whatever. Right. Um, and on top of that, they got into a fight, and most of them, they, they talk about this shit. If somebody starts something, man, you fucking finish it. And all that, 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 that kind of BS, right? When we're talking about by the time we get to that point, we've exhausted a whole bunch of things trying to get us out of there, and we have no other choice, and it's an overwhelmed situation because we're not stepping up like a bull, right? So – I understand the question, and I understand. I believe that that it is true that a lot of them have not. But I also believe that the mentality that causes them to get into fights, fights, not survival situations, fights, that part of them is still in junior high school or middle school or high school or whatever. It it hasn't grown up. And that that makes me think of something that Hatsumi Sensei told me that Takamatsu Sensei uh, said. And he said that only those who truly have something to lose could ever really understand what it means to be a warrior. What that means is those who have nothing to lose or the only thing they have to lose is their ego, right? Will fight at the drop of a hat 
because they need the bragging rights. They need to protect whatever fragile ego is going on. They need to protect their image so that people can't see the anxiety or insecurity or whatever that's going on behind it, right? The warrior picks and chooses battles because if you get involved in the wrong one, you could lose everything, right? You've, you have to you be able to go to work every day, right? So because you've got bills, you, right? You've got a family to support. You've, you've got people that depend on you for security and things like that, right? And this is really hard to convey online because when I post my videos or when anybody posts videos, they and and they understand how the system works, the online system, the algorithms and all that. Right. Um, I have to use words. That I wouldn't normally use. Because that's the words that people type in to do searches for this kind of training. Right. And when I use those words, I run the risk. It's a huge risk and it plays out all the time where these guys come out of the woodwork because they can't see the difference between a fight and a survival situation or a fight and a self-defense situation because they keep interchanging the two. Right. I have the same uphill battle in the workplace violence realm when I'm talking to VPs or C-suite people or whatever, right? I might as well write a, a mathematical equation, right? Fighting or self-defense equals fighting because the techniques or the what it looks like must make it the same. But the intent's different. The, the setup is different. It's all that, right? So, you know, no matter how many times Hatsumisense they said, right, this is this is the difference between martial arts and true budo because people keep calling themselves martial artists because people keep referring to martial arts they keep using the same words right then the meaning stays the same right so again we have to be careful right and here's a here's a level of respect okay here's a here's um here's a, here's a type of doubt and a type of respect or a type of disrespect that I'm going to leave everybody with. Um, I think that it's disrespectful to the art and the past masters and what's been, what has been passed down and taught to confuse it, especially knowingly, right? Well, I, here's an example of this confusion thing, right? To confuse it with, Modern martial arts. Okay, here's an example of this. Uh, I was uh, uh, along my my career, right? I've you know tried my best to not butcher Japanese too badly, and so every time I've had the opportunity, because uh, I live near several universities, right? So if I was introduced to somebody who was a native Japanese speaker, there uh, there were several years ago some professors at two of the local universities. And their wives were native Japanese. Okay. And they, uh, would do tutoring for people that, you know, especially for school, for the university students. But I found this out and I'm like, Ooh, how much? Right. 
And so I would have a standing class once a week. They would come to my dojo or I would go meet them for lunch or whatever, have a notebook that, you know, whatever, right? Want all this stuff. And so one time uh, I needed to send a letter to Hazumi Sensei. And so I wanted to know if they would help me. Like I, I wrote it out in English and if they would help me translate it into Japanese. Because up to that point, I wrote the letters and then gave them to somebody else to translate. They gave it back. And then, but I wanted to, I, you know, because I was doing communications and conversation, I wanted to be, I, I wanted to do it. Right. So could you help me? Yes, of course. So what they wanted for me to do was write it out and then, uh, you know, then they would get their head around it and then, you know, we could, we could then do it. Right. So what I did was I wrote it in English, but I let it off with dear sensei. Okay. Well, the first thing they fixed was the Japanese don't say dear anything. Right. It's just sensei. Right. But the rest was in English. Well, my whole first class before we got this thing translated was all around um, how sensei was the wrong word. Okay. So uh, based on their context and based on, you know, they, they would come in early um, and sit and watch me teach a class or whatever. And so, you know, I'd make references to these things and they did some looking up Hatsumi Sensei and articles and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so she said, I, I don't think this is the right word. I said, oh, no, yeah, everybody calls him sensei. You know, it's what we use. And she said, oh, see, but he teaches you more than martial arts, right? Yes. So he teaches you about life and about all these other things, right, that make your life valuable. So the martial arts or this training is there to protect this life that you're building. He teaches you about life, right? You know, and I said, yeah. And she said, mm, okay, so the proper Japanese term is shiso. Right? Shiso. A shiso is a teacher of life. Okay, I said, yeah, but he teaches martial arts too, and everybody uses this term. She goes, I don't care. Right? The, if you're trying to be respectful and let him know that you are appreciative of more than just martial arts lessons, it's Shiso. Okay? Good. So, a little bit later, I was, and I sent that letter, right? And, you know, got the same kind of reply I normally get, but uh, she said, he will know that you know. And that's all that matters, right? Don't look for him to go, oh, look, you used a different word. Um, but later I was talking to several of my peers and friends in this art. And I pointed out this Shiso thing. And they argued until they were blue in the face. I just stopped arguing or discussing things um, that we all call him sensei. So that's just that's the right word. Right. Um, but she was trying to make the point that sensei is just a generic word for teacher. And not just in the martial arts, right? A school teacher is a sensei, right? It's even an honorific in some conditions where if I'm pointing out somebody, let's say I'm talking to somebody who's a young up-and-coming lawyer or whatnot, and they're trying to you know, learn the ins and outs and all that, I point out this guy over there it has been a lawyer for 30 years, right? And that's somebody you want to learn from, right? Instead of saying san or sama or whatever at the end of his name, I would tack on sensei. Okay. Because 
I'm not pointing out that he's a school teacher, martial arts teacher, whatever. He's somebody that can teach you something because he really knows his craft. He really knows his thing, right? So, again, this is what comes from learning from people that, gee, I don't know, they understand the culture because that's who they are. They understand the language because that's who they are. Whatever, right? But, anyway, people argued this stuff, but okay, they just weren't going to get – this is what this is what everybody does. This is what you do, man. Okay. So anyway, what else we got, James? That was it. That was it. All right. Well, this concludes another episode of what the hell was he talking about? Uh, <laughs> so anyway, thanks for sharing your uh, your little experience. So, hell, you know what? Thanks for having your little experience. <laughs> That's what I mean by by happy little coincidence, right? It's covering this thing, and I didn't have to come up with a story. Hell, James came in with one. I almost broke myself. And how did you lead off that conversation? You led off the conversation with, um, I had an opportunity had an opportunity for the training to prove itself again, and then you told me this thing that happened. Sure. It's something like that, right? Didn't that training, training saved my ass again. Training saved my ass again. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I was attacked by water, and, <laughs> and then this guy's allies, that was a big old fucking hunk of metal machine, and this block wall that was standing ready to knock my mm-hmm. ass out, right? So, anyway, cool stuff, right? So, anyway, um, what's the thing? Oh, um, enrollments are open. Um, I don't even have the, I don't even have the, the topic of yet, but I've got people enrolling for, uh, our Dicomiosi, uh, seminar, our New Year's kickoff, uh, seminar. Yes, pun intended. Uh, that is coming up January 5th, 6th, and 7th. So I got that going on and, uh, the enrollments have already started. People have started coming in and I am in the process of, uh, also looking for breakout instructors. So if I haven't already reached out to you, don't write it off. I may. Um, the only downside is you can't do it virtually. So, um, uh, and I'm hoping to get enough this time to double up on all the breakout session time slots, which means I would have uh, five or more, right? Because four, that fills the time slots. I really want to have more than that. Um, so that people, we, we go back to the original premise with having breakouts in the, in the seminars, and that is to force students. Yes, I said force. Force students to tailor the training experience to their specific needs instead of showing up and just taking what they get. Some is going to be that way. This is the general theme. This is the, this is what I'm teaching and all that. But the breakouts are, They're designed to not just expand your skill set, but to make you take control of your damn training. Well, you know, I'm just trying to learn everything, Sensei. Well, good fucking luck because you can't learn everything. You can't focus on everything when you're practicing. You need to prioritize. What will be most beneficial in your life right now? or in the foreseeable future, 
Right? So that one-on-one thing that I covered with somebody this morning, um, I said, you know, the benefit that you guys all have is you have lives. Okay. You're not a monk in a monastery. So when you're learning these lessons, okay, what one to three things are you trying to get a handle on in your life right now? Great. Learn the lesson as I teach it. And then when you're practicing it, stop trying to freaking practice everything like, God, I got to memorize this or I'm going to tear myself down or whatever. Right. Apply it to those things. So one of his things were, were financial things, getting a better grip on, on financial things. And another one was getting a better grip on like a relationship thing. Great. Then when I teach these lessons, run that thing through the eightfold or the, the noble eightfold path or through the, um, what we just do last time through the, don't tell me, I know this through the five, through the precepts or the skandhas that are coming up or whatever, right? personalize it because that's the best place to start. You'll know immediately whether or not you understand it and you're producing the proper results with it. Life will get better. <laughs> if it doesn't, you're bullshitting yourself, right? But some people like mental, mental masturbation more than they like skill proficiency development. So, right? It's easier to feel like I'm doing it than to actually produce results. Okay? Just like it's easier to dream about it Someday I'm going to do that than it is to get off the damn couch and do the friggin' work. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got. Boy, I just added that on a sour note, didn't I? Oh, well, screw sure. it. Okay. So that's it. Uh, James, anything else? Anybody uh, say anything in? Dave and Victor both just said thank you. Hey, you're welcome. You are welcome. All right. So uh, for those of you in the regular programs and stuff, I will see you in an upcoming class this week. Um, for those of you not, why the hell am I not seeing you in upcoming programs? So uh, that's it. I w- oh, um, just because it just happened uh, again recently, right? If you're gonna book a damn Zoom call with me or a call or whatever to discuss things, you gotta tell me how much you've always wanted to do this and and you know whatever you'd love to da da da. Don't not show up or whatever. Once is bad enough. Twice. And also, don't contact me. Like we have already been the best of friends because it already sounds like you're trying to schmooze free out of me or whatever. Okay. Uh, I get it. Some people don't know how to communicate any better, but, um, you know, what do we do? What do we do next, Sensei? Um, I don't know. You already canceled two, two appointments. Or you didn't cancel two appointments. You just didn't show up. Right. After telling me that you had your shit together and you're going to put it in your calendar book so you couldn't forget. Well, how'd that happen? And I sent out reminder stuff. So, anyway. So, uh, yeah, I don't tolerate that stuff very well. Anyway. So, uh, I don't even know what the topic is for next week. So, if you would like me to cover something, shoot us an email. What's the, what's the address that, uh, they should send that into, James? Are we doing support or are we doing Warrior City? Either one's fine. Warrior C is usually the one we throw out for everybody to use. Okay. Warrior C at warrior-concepts-online.com. That's a letter C, not S-E-A, right, or S-E-E, right? So warrior, right? And if we don't respond, check your spelling, right? I've had people flame me like, you don't respond to anything. Well, what'd you send it to? 
That they post in a Facebook comment. And then I look at it and I'm like, um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. If you uh, have any ideas or you want me to cover something, you want me to expound on something even more, or I don't know. Whatever, right? So we'll go ahead and wrap this up. I will talk to everybody again next time on, what are we? Oh, this is Kuden, right? So on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.